lot of fun with uh, with Reed from Dave and Adam's Card World. Did you get a chance to watch that show, John? Yeah, I mean, t- talk about a dream job. I mean, t- I, I'm involved in small business lending as my full-time job, but to, to own a card store and then to be able to go around the country and look at these collections and buy collections, especially since he's involved more of vintage than modern, um, and he also has, uh, I guess, a Dale Murphy collection going. So he speaks to me in terms of the player collector as well. Uh, so no, it, it was a great show. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very relaxing. And actually, uh, Bobby Burrell sent me a mess, a, a picture of 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 Reed in from Bobby's uh, vintage hockey collector book. And I'll just show the show everybody if you if you watch that last episode. <laughs> Uh, there's a, there's the picture and he actually, he does look younger there. That, that, yeah. I don't, I'm guessing that's from his uh, original stint with, with yeah. Dave and Adams back, uh, which I had that written down with that. 2010 to 20. Yeah. He was with him for, uh, up until, to 2010 until 2010. Yeah. That's right. That, oh, yeah. you, you, you know, you took a note. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and I love to ask my after hours guests, you know, was there anything that, that, really jumped out to you that kind of took you by surprise or you found super interesting uh, from that last discussion? Well, I loved his story about that mom and pop deal that, that IGA uh, find that he had uh, sort of like not quite an attic find that you, that you hear out there, but just to, to develop that relationship uh, with that, that family uh, was, that, that was a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought so too. And, we, I actually spent some time with him a couple nights ago, and uh, he told me several more stories that we just didn't have time to get to tonight. Yeah. And even after the show just ended, he said, yeah, we didn't get to a bunch of things. Yeah. I said, no, I, I realized, I know we didn't. The chat was so active, but we'll, uh, we, we decided we'll have him back on probably at some point in the new year, which it seems funny to say new year already. but oh, I know. Gosh. Yeah. But uh, we'll get him on in in 2022, hopefully in Q1 at some point. And and I even said to him, listen, you're going to be out there doing a lot of things. I said, not that you're only thinking about coming back on this show with me, <laughs> but to the extent that you something happens, you're like, I got to make sure to talk about that on Jeremy's show or, you know, on Sports Guards Live. I said, just please write that down. Okay, yeah. We'll see if he remembers yeah. you, but that would be that would be pretty fun. Well, yep. Yep. Uh, OK, so you are John Reichard. You are Wade Boggs fan on YouTube. Yep. You are a Wade Boggs super collector. You are a true collector. Yeah. You do not. Yeah. You do not buy and sell. You do not sell very much. Um, right. Yeah. There was a question in the previous uh, show with Reed that someone asked about, uh, uh, you know, selling to buy new things for your collection. Some things that you don't. I don't necessarily consider myself a collector, more of a hoarder. I mean, I, and we, we had talked about this. I bet you I've sold probably no more than 30 cards. I've been collecting for 43 years and I've probably sold 30 cards, regretted every single one of them, bought back two of them, not the same ones, but I mean the, the same card because I regretted selling them. I, I just, I don't know. I could easily fund my Wade Boggs collection by selling some of my other stuff. I just can't part with them. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, because you're a collector. You love your cards. You know, I, yeah. I hear it too. It, it, it's similar for me as a collector. I've sold a couple cards. You know, when I when I real when I found out that I was having a baby and I bought a new house. Okay, I'm gonna sell a few cards yep. and 
Of course I regret it. Of, yep. Never never mind that they were a few key Hall of Fame rookies, a couple <laughs> football cards, um, but also, of course, where values have gone since I did that. So it's not uh, to – but, you know, we can yeah. only make decisions with information we have at that time for reasons that were that were real at that yep. time. I was I was uh, just getting through the end of a, a divorce, wanted to pay some things off, get my life back in order and stuff. So I said, hey, I have some cards here, non-Wade Boggs cards. But I sold a bench rookie, a Joe Morgan rookie, um, uh, 52 tops Ted Williams, number 250. I bought one of those back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just the and I actually did a YouTube video of cards I regretted selling. And I just went through because I still remember I have a list of all the ones I sold. And like looking back, and of course, with today's prices, are like, oh my gosh, I only got what form? But back yeah. then, I got a good deal. But the cards I sold when I bought my house were, uh, again, I had to move into a bit of a bigger house. I, I lived in like a bachelor, and I, you know, okay, now I'm moving in with my wife, and I need, uh, we got a kid on the way, you know, maybe do a second kid. So I needed more bedrooms. So I sold off and these all, you know, who I sold all my cards to that I'm about to list, which was, I won't remember them all, but I sold them to Brian Gray for one of his repack products. Uh, at some okay. Point. It goes back to probably 2000. This would have been the summer of 2016. My, my SP authentic Peyton Manning PSA nine rookie, my Emmett Smith score supplemental PSA 10, my Barry Sanders PSA 10. Oh, yeah. I think I sold him a Nolan Ryan rookie, um, a Joe Morgan. I think you mentioned a Joe okay. Morgan. I sold yep. him a Joe Morgan rookie. There was a list of about 15 cards. And, um, and you know, yeah, I, <laughs> I'd love to have those back for the prices I sold them for, yeah. for sure. But hey, we, you know, I, but it's a different mindset. It, there are various aspects of collecting. Okay. you can be a collector, you can be a, uh, flipper you can be an investor you can be a combination of the two and each one is a different mindset i mean for me it's the acquisition and hold of the card for others it's hey let me go out there try to get a nice deal maybe buy something raw get it graded see if i can make some money take that money get something else um maybe sell cards that they they opened a box got some big hits. Hey, I'm going to sell that. I'm not interested in that because I collect this and I can use that money. There's various things. And I don't, there are people out there that say, oh, I hate investors. I hate flippers. To me, it's all part of the hobby. Um, it, it's, it's what you enjoy doing. And in some sense, I think that all of those types of people are needed within the hobby because it keeps cards, well, except in my case, <laughs> keeps cards flowing within the marketplace. Now me, but you're I get, and they're out there. <laughs> you're, but John, you're also an end user. The hobby needs end users too, right? Yeah. Where, as you were saying, we're all, all these different approaches are part of the overall ecosystem. I, I, I squarely believe that as long as there are, you know, as long as people have good intentions, which they don't all, we know that you're going to have bad actors and anywhere there's, there's commerce, especially in, in something like this. So but I mean, I often talk about the investor collector continuum and how, you know, nobody's on either extreme end or very few, very few people are. You may be one of those people. Yep. Um, but you know what? I, it's not that it's a I, I still think it's a continuum, but it's not like a linear continuum because you can you can have you can have both. You can do both at the exact same time yep. um, in just with different types maybe i buy and sell basketball but i only collect hockey which isn't the story for me but you know there are yeah. 
you you can be on in various places on that continuum uh, without you can be a hybrid. Pick one point. Yeah, you can be a hybrid because you can, on a side thing, you can buy and sell to quote unquote make money, but that what you make money on, you put into your personal collection. Bingo. And you know another. Uh, breakers get a bad rap in certain circle circles. How else are you going to get those singles out in the marketplace? You, you buy into a break. Okay. You don't get maybe the cards you want, or even if you do or whatever, and they get put on eBay. Well, how do I find cards? How do I find new Wade Boggs cards? Well, maybe it's because people enter into a break for the Yankees and pull a Wade Boggs, you know, auto patch featuring him in a Yankee uniform and that's not what the one who won the break wanted. So they put it up on eBay. Well, that gives me an opportunity now to buy that Wade Boggs card. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. No, you, you nailed it there, John, because you're right. So, some breakers or, or I will say some breakers get a bad rap and some people put a bad rap on all breakers. But without these cars being released into the wild, Guys who are real like singles buyers like myself and me, yeah. I rely on breakers and I rely on their customers to not want what they get out of their yeah. pack because right? We, yep. we 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 need you to not want to not want what you're getting out of that break so you can have it listed and find the right home for it. Yeah, because so. someone who buys into a Yankees team, they want an Aaron Judge. Who Wade Boggs? What I don't want to wait Boggs. I'll take it. <laughs> you know, yeah. so Exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to welcome everybody to uh, Sports Cards Live After Hours. I am happy to have John Reichard join us tonight. Been looking forward to this because, you know, when I started off the show, John, back like a year and a half ago, almost, I, I had every show was designated as a collector's perspective episode or an industry insiders episode. I got away from that relatively quick, but, and I do have collectors on, but having you on, I'm like, this is one of those this is this is nostalgic for me going back 18 months or so to one of those original collector's perspective episodes which is just nice because you know every time you bring on someone from the industry there's there's bound to be some some controversy or something or something some area some, some level of just i don't know discomfort you know and but when you have on a true collector it can just be nice and relaxing and as joe perot pointed out in the last episode it was a nice Nice vibe, and I'm 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 uh, happy for that, and uh, and enjoying it. So glad to have you on. As I as I mentioned, glad to be here. Yeah, let's uh, let's go say hello to the chat. So you see who we we got. Uh, Lapper says, "Where's the after hours Pringles?" I was eating a tin of Pringles. Yeah. Well, Lapper, <laughs> I ate those and spoiled my dinner this afternoon, but they were the Wendy's uh, spicy chicken, so I've already been through there. <laughs> Jeff McMahon says, "Great to see John on Sports Cards Live." Thanks, Jeff. Terry Fortune likes the setup behind you, John. Very impressive. Hello, Mark Santucci says first Hi, time Mark. on Sports Cards Live. Or is Mark a friend of yours? Mark, you know? Mark is a very, uh, a very good follower of my channel. Yes, Mark, welcome to uh, to my channel now on Sports Cards Live. Very happy to have you on board for the evening and hopefully longer. Uh, David G says good evening. And was John upset when Boggs joined the Yankees? Um, a little. Uh, because I, I grew up a Red Sox fan. My mom's from Massachusetts originally and always grew up. Uh, we didn't, I I'm from Pennsylvania and I couldn't get Red Sox on TV down here. 
but when we'd go out for vacations, I used to watch the Red Sox and it was just all obviously Red Sox up in Massachusetts. And I always saw Wade as a Red Sox player. So I was a little disappointed when he, when the Red Sox did not re-sign him after the, uh, I think it was a 92 season. Uh, but I am glad that he was able to get a World Series ring with the Yankees. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm glad in that aspect, but he'll always be a Red Sox to me. Yeah. There you go, David G. Terry Fortune says, I can relate to the hoarding too. <laughs> Love it. And we got Victor's back. My guy, Victor. Uh, Victor. Hi, John. Great to see you on SCL. So I love uh, love seeing that. Tom Bullard loved Larkin, Bog, Smith, Clark. Grew up on all of them. Right on. <laughs> Daniel A. Loved the chicken man when I was a kid. Vintage Oddball Car says, John is the man, a true collector. Yes. Thanks, sir. Rick. Yeah, that's really nice. Really nice. Mark says, I sold my Henderson, one of them, and I regret it back in the 90s. Mark makes mistakes. 1980s rookie. Yeah. Mark makes me okay. Talking to the third person. I got it. Now yeah. I got it. Mark. Love it. Love <laughs> it. Tigers. Good evening to you. Joe says, has John ever met Wade? This, you know, Joe, Joe is good at, uh, at, at mind reading. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> has John ever met Wade Boggs or secured an in-person auto? What is his most prized Wade Boggs piece? Well, I think this is the perfect timing for you to tell a couple stories. Yep. Um, I, when it comes to player collectors, um, depending on who you collect, I'm fortunate enough that I'm collecting someone who's currently living. And I've had the great fortune of meeting Wade six times. I was hoping for a seventh at the this year's national, but he had a scheduling conflict and wasn't able to, to make it. Um, but I have met him six times. I've gotten stuff signed uh, by him in person. Um, and one funny story there is he i've seen him at the national in 2015 and 2019 but he also does a show called yankee palooza in northern new jersey so former yankees uh, a couple current yankees uh, go to that show and so he's always invited up so for me it's like a four-hour drive so that's where i've seen him the most so i went out there and i took a yankees jersey for him to sign and by that time, he this was maybe like the fourth or fifth time that I had met him. And so we're just chatting. I get in line and, and I tell him what I want on the jersey. And we just started chatting. And I follow him on Twitter. He follows me and stuff. And so I knew that he recently, he and his family recently got a Yorkie. And my wife and I got a Yorkie as well. So we're talking about our pets and just having a nice little conversation. So he's writing and stuff. And he says, here you go. I said, thank you. I shake his hand. I said, this is wonderful. I drive all the way home. And I go to take a picture to put on social media. And it says, to John, thanks for being a great fan. Nothing. He actually forgot to sign his name. We were just chatting. And he was just doing that. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, that, that sounds good. And I'm like, oh, great. So I don't have his autograph now. So I reach out to him on Twitter, send him a private message. I said, Wade, and I, I sent him a picture. I said, Wade, in our conversations, you actually forgot to sign your name. He goes, oh, my bad. I said, can I send it down to you? Because I I have his address down in, in Tampa. And says, can I just send it down to you? Will you sign it? He says, yeah, absolutely. Send it down to me. So I sent it down to him with a couple of pictures of in-person photos I had of him. And so he, he did a great job signed it with the same color ink as 
the inscription. So it looks like it was done at the same time, signed my other stuff for me and, and, and sent it back. So that, that was an interesting, funny story. But my <laughs> most, my most prized Boggs piece is probably, I have uh, game use bats from Red Sox, Yankees and Devil Rays, but that Red Sox game use bat, it's from the early nineties past his batting career years, uh, batting title years. But uh, that one is just, he's known for the pine tar on the handle in the middle of the bat. And that thing is drenched with pine tar. I mean, it has just, and ball marks and stuff. Yeah, that, that Red Sox gamer is, from memorabilia, is my prized possession. Very cool. Very well. That yeah. pine tar makes it really unique for sure. Yeah. Uh, La Lapper says that's a great way of looking at breakers. Definitely a different perspective than I had before you said that. Hey, always happy to share a new perspective. Overtime grading says that's a crazy room behind you there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm going to use this comment to segue into something else because that is a crazy room behind you. I wanted to talk to you tonight a little bit about, you know, when you are a, a dedicated hardcore player collector and what it what it's like or how you kind of relate to other hardcore dedicated player collectors of the same player. So I see the room behind you. It's yep. very, very impressive. But in, in getting to know you over the last few weeks, watching some of your videos, I came across another Wade Boggs collector and his, yes. his particular uh, Wade Boggs collection storage area room. And no offense to you, but his is one of the best. It's if oh, not yeah. in the whole hobby. I know, Rich, his Boggs Tavern. He is, if for those of you who have, have not seen any Rich's videos of his Boggs Tavern, it's this room on steroids. Probably four or five times stuff. Now, a little bit, maybe twice as much room, uh, but it is packed. He literally has stuff on the ceiling because he's, he's run out. He keeps buying stuff and buying stuff. It is a museum and it is extremely, we call him, there, there's a group of us. Uh, so I've gotten to know other Boggs collectors and we rarely fight over the same stuff, which is nice. Uh, if one of us gets something that someone else was going after, at least we know that one of us got it and we're happy for each other. So it's a nice little group of five or six of us, but we call him the Boggs father like the Godfather, because he, he's insane. Absolutely. And if something is has bogs on it, he has to have it. Now, for me, I'm mainly the cards. I, I started off just collecting Wade Boggs cards. few memorabilia things here and there. It wasn't until I got to know Rich around 2012, and I saw his collection. I'm like, boy, that'd be cool to maybe own some autographed photos and maybe some jerseys. And maybe this, and then it's, in no. the last nine years, it's turned into that. So, yeah, he's been a bad influence. Speak, but a, good a, little, speak a little bit about the kinship you feel with. I mean, I, you know, when you when you collect somebody's hardcore as you do, and and you're you're a fan of that player, and then you meet other people that share that. What does that feel like? Like, what kind of relationship do you automatically have? with those other Wade Boggs player collectors. And I ask this, for, um, I want you to, in my mind, you're speaking on behalf of player collectors of all sports, of all different players who found those other player collectors. Well, well, one, it makes you realize that you're not nuts because, because you're like, okay, I'm, I'm collecting all these cars of this one player. Like, what am I doing? And they're like, oh, you do that too. 
oh, you you did. And so there's that camaraderie. All right. So you automatically have a connection with that person, uh, their collection, their passion for the collection. And what's also neat is in my group, there are some that go after sort of like the one of ones and the high end, really rare cards. I've gotten away from that, gone into other areas. There's ones that, you know, just deal with with bulk you know they'll they'll buy as many even you know duplicates or whatever they just want as many bogs cards i'm focused on you know different so we all get together we all get along there's not um there's like i said some competition because we're all looking to get get some cards but we're texting each other daily of saying look what i got in the mail look what i got or just the other day um someone had a question they they saw something on ebay or somewhere and they didn't know what it was or i've never seen this before so i got into my master checklist i'm like yeah this is from 2005 and there's only uh it was a backdoor thing that wasn't a complete card and he he bought it because it was unique i said yeah the reason why you haven't seen one before is there's only there's serial number to three and there was a version out of one he didn't know about it at all, but I had it on my checklist. So now he knew what that card was. So we share information and knowledge and we meet each, we meet up with each other at the national. Uh, it's just, it's been a blast. So uh, it's, it's been great being in touch with other player collectors. And would you consider, uh, I think it's Rich that you were mentioning. Yeah. He has the, the Wade Boggs uh, Tavern. Would you consider him to be a good friend now? Oh yeah. Uh, in, in fact, um, I had mentioned her earlier when I sold the cards, I, I was going through a divorce. I got remarried three years ago and he lives south of Chicago. I actually stayed near him rather than stay near the convention at this year's uh, national just to be able to hang out with him and uh, hang out with him and his wife and see the Boggs Tavern again. But I actually had him as my groomsman in my wedding. He drove in from Chicago to be a part of my wedding. So wow. it, it, yeah, uh, we've become very good friends. See the, that, that is just a testament to how the hobby, the community in the hobby, it, it can be such an enhancement to life in general. Yeah. The hobby, it, you know, it's more, it's more than just the cards. We always have the cards to fall back on, but it's more yeah. than just the cards. Uh, as John Newman from sports card nation says, the hobby is the people and, um, and, it, and the relationship. So, uh, you're lucky. You're lucky to have that. That that that's really yeah. awesome. Here's and this funny. is pure, oh, this was before YouTube, too. I mean, I, I've met so many people through YouTube, not only online, but I finally got to meet some of them in person. Unfortunately, I I, I saw you at the national. Didn't have a chance to introduce myself. I think you were maybe hanging out with Mike, baseball collector at the time. I didn't want to interrupt, but I had a chance this year to actually meet some of all these great YouTubers. But I was in a issue of Beckett. They had a super collector issue back in 2012 and I had my email address in there and Rich saw it and he's like, there's another Bugs collector out there. So he reached out to me and said, Hey, my name is Rich, blah, blah, blah. And again, since then we've developed a, a great friendship. So, that's, but YouTube definitely has just enhanced we'll my collecting experience. Yeah. Let, let, I want, I've got YouTube on my list. I want to get to YouTube, but before I just want to share this with you, because uh, this is a pretty funny story. Terry fortune says Boggs comes hunting up in this area. Tip huh. my wife, a hundred dollars us. This is he's in Canada at the bar one night. 
he goes on to say, she came home and asked me if I knew who Wade Boggs was. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. And I mean, that's the kind of story that to you, to, to you, John, next time you see Wade Boggs, you can tell him that you heard this story because it's uh, yeah. pretty neat. Vintage Card says, funny story regarding him forgetting to sign. You are lucky to collect a nice guy for sure. Amish Dave Archer says, uh, nice to see you. Hello to you. Hi, Dave. James Fertitta, night crazy room. Jeremy, have to step up. I, yeah, I guess I could step up a little bit on my background for sure. No doubt, no doubt. Love it. Uh, DR says, at what point in your collecting journey is a line of demarcation to being a super collector of a player? That's a good question. Yeah. I And, and I, I, not to plug my channel, but I actually did a, a YouTube uh, video on this. Being a super collector, it, it's almost like a self given title i mean some some people say you have to have so many different someone threw out a number there well you have to have at least 500 different cards of a particular player well if it's a newer player they may not even have 500 cards well then is it a certain percentage of the cards well if you're i forget um who the player was it was either mike trout or jeter has like 30 35,000 cards well what if you only have 25 percent of them i mean to me that's still a lot of cards but from a percentage oh i only have a quarter of his cards well you can't be a super collector then i think it's just in the eye of the beholder if you feel that your collection based on the number of cards are out there the uniqueness of your collection how dedicated you are in growing your collection yeah. So it may even just become dedication that, hey, my focus is all I buy are weight box cards, all right? I may not have as many as someone else that collects weight bogs, but to me, that would qualify maybe as being a super collector. So there's no one definition in my mind out there for it. Yeah, I think Good it's question. something that's – I don't think it can be measured. I don't like the percentage uh, kind of applications. I don't think that, that that's fair. I think it really comes down to something you can't measure, which is your level of passion for that subject. And then also the amount of time that you spend in your, of your time budget, your hobby time budget that you spend on that yep. particular player. I think that's a piece of it too. And then the other piece is just look behind you. You are yep. a Wade Bog super collector. Like it, it's the proof is in the pudding sometimes. And I've been collecting his cards for 23 years. So, I mean, just the longevity. Longevity. Okay. And it's, yeah. Yeah. There's several criteria, I think, and some of them you can't measure. There's no way to quantify. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, a couple a couple fun questions for you here. Uh, Todd says, is there a Boggs piece that you need or want, but you've yet to obtain? Or is there hundreds of them? <laughs> well, in terms of a Boggs item, maybe not a card, one day, I keep telling myself, one day I want to own a game-used home Red Sox jersey. But you're you're talking four or $5,000 probably, especially for, you know, from the, maybe the early eighties during his uh, batting title years. Um, wait, I actually reached out to Wade at one point and said, Hey, do you, cause he has, he sold off a lot of his memorabilia already, but I reached out to him and said, Hey, do you have anything left? And I think he said he had, I think he had a Red Sox home Jersey. I forget, maybe in the later, you know, early '90s or something like that. And I think he said he wanted forty-five hundred dollars for it. I mean, I, I, I just don't have that type of money to. I mean, I have a small 
monthly budget and I, I, I can't afford something like that. But one day, hopefully I will. So that, yeah, that's my big item in terms of cards. Yeah, I have a bucket list um, and it's usually because of the price. Not that they're necessarily hard to find. Some of them are rare, but the 96 select certified gold that that's in terms of player collector, if you have a player in that set, that's like the ultimate card to get. Now, there are some other ones. Um, Donner's Crusade Red out of 25. That's that's high on people's list. I have one of those. Um, but that certified mirror gold, there's only 30 copies out there. There's one on eBay, I think, right now, uh, graded Beckett 9. I don't really care about graded, but uh, Boggs cards. They want 1000 bucks for it. Hey, I, I could get it right now, but I can't afford it right now. Um, yeah, so there are some cards out there that I'd love to have, but they need to be in my my budget at the time. Well, let's let's uh, let's kind of talk about that for a second because it was something that we were going to talk about tonight anyway. Is really what it, you know, collecting on a budget and uh, as a player collector. You know, I was going to ask you, do you do you have a budget? Well, okay, we understand that you do. Yep. How do you how do you as a collector? And I, I asked this because I think it's interesting for for audience members. You know, not everybody can afford to spend whatever thousands of dollars a month on sports cards. So, as someone who has a budget, how does that like? How do you how do you manage your want the amount of cards you want? Because you could spend, let's face it, we, I remember walking around the national last month thinking to myself, I wish, I just wish I had a quarter million dollars on me. I didn't have close to that. Right. I wish, yeah. I wish, how do you, how do you hobby with your budget? It's, it's hard. I mean, I, 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 I can't lie. I, I've had to pass on so many cars I'd love to have in my collection, but I force myself to my budget. I don't spend beyond my means. There was a time in my younger days that I did, and I looked at that credit card bill, and I'm like, okay, now I got to pay this credit. I never want to go there again. So it's it's so easy to just hit that buy it now or put a bid in and say, oh, I got that card. I got that card. I'll, I'll worry about paying for it later. And I just, I don't do that. So it is forced. It's hard sometimes. It really is because I've had to pass on some really nice cards. But at the same time, sometimes that patience pays off. I've had countless times where, oh, I especially on new releases, oh, I, I want to get that card. Now, now it went, went too high. I'm going to pass. Next one comes up. You know, um, I'm, I'm going to pass. And I know if it's out of 25 or 50 or 75, there's going to be more that show up on eBay. Yeah. And I wait and I wait and I'm patient. And there are some times that I can pick it up for maybe half the cost of what that first person had to buy the first one off of eBay. And sometimes patience pays off. And other times my patience leads to, oh, geez, I'm not seeing them anymore on eBay. Or it's it's maybe a year or two down or three years to see one again. But at the same time, I'm still building my Wade Boggs collection. There, there's still so many out there. Um, my, my checklist is like close to 9,000 different Boggs cards and I'm at 5,300. There are plenty still out there. Um, not as many 
I mean, I, I go through my eBay list every night and I just thump, have it, have it, have it, have it, have it, have it. And, and it's harder to find new ones, but it's not possible. So I think the, 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 the morsel or the nugget of advice that I'm hearing there, because at first I was thinking to myself, well, you just need discipline, but discipline isn't that easy to uh, exercise when you are a card collector. So then, then you, you made the point of, you know, don't buy the first copy that shows up on eBay, which is great advice because the first copy always goes for the most. And then, and then it comes down from there, but then you have to actually have some intuition. You have to know when to strike a card out of 25 or 50, for example, because what's, if you wait too long, they're going to dry up. And then the next copy that comes out is going to sell for more than the last one did. Yeah. Right. Because no one's seen it in so long. Yeah, it does it, that. It, it goes up and down. And then you may have to wait, like I said, a couple of years till when someone buys that and they say, oh, okay, I'm no longer interested in that. I want to sell those to buy something else. And then they come back on the market. Um, I've had cars that show up that <clears throat> I haven't seen in five or 10 years. Yeah. And I, when I see those, if they're priced reasonable, I try to go up because I'm like, wait a minute, I've, I haven't seen that one in forever um yeah yeah it, it, it's a it's a struggle and it, it's a timing issue it is yeah and then the other thing is that as as a budget collector it's good to always know and just think and not and for every collector that there's always more cards there's always yeah. going to be more cards to buy unless you're unless you missed a card that was like i don't know the last card for a set and there's only you know, one to 10 of them, maybe kick yourself. But in most cases, you can avoid kicking yourself, I think, and just sort of wait for the next car that makes you crazy for it. Well, and and, and yeah, and and to that point, um, it was about a little over a year ago. I, again, I was starting to see it was harder and harder to find new bogs cards or ones that were in my budget that weren't just selling for crazy amounts of money. Um, And so I'm like, what, what else can I do? So then that's when I started going into vintage cards, graded vintage cards of Hall of Famers. So now I've, if I can't find something bogs, I have another project that I can go after. And, and so I've been looking and building a small collection of vintage Hall of Famers, uh, PSA graded. I just decided to go down that rabbit hole. Um, and just recently now, I added another project <laughs> which is uh, the more modern tops releases, the short print image variations of Hall of Famers. Very inexpensive. I mean, I've bought a, I've bought a ton recently, like four or five bucks, even with shipping, maybe six bucks. And so I'm going after that. So I still have some focus. And in my opinion, you actually, you need focus in this hobby, whatever you want to go after. If you just start going crazy, you, you'll just, there's, you'll get overload just like the national you see all these cards and go, I don't know what to buy. Yeah. Um, so I have some focuses now beyond Wade Boggs. So if I don't see a Boggs item, I can still build my overall collection by maybe looking at a vintage card. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I want to get to a couple of comments here. Uh, Alex says, uh, what a room, awesome job, which for sure, for sure. Vintage cards as a Honus Wagner, super collector can have just one card. That's an, <laughs> That's an interesting comment because you're, you know, maybe you're a super collector because you spent six million on the card. Yeah. <laughs> but are you really a super collector? Like, like, 
Yeah. I think you need. I think one of the rules for super collectors, you have to have more than, than one, one card. More than yeah. one card. I don't know what that number is, but more than yeah. one. But yeah. uh, I appreciate. It. I think it's still a, a fun comment. Uh, and I wanted to come back up here to Daniel's question: Is what was it in? Per- okay, actually, before you answer this one, which is, and we'll, we'll come right back to what you said. Uh, what was it in particular about Boggs that made you a collector of him? So, and then I'm going to come down to Tyler's comment here, who says, "My girlfriend is trying to sleep, and she just popped up and said, What's the big deal with this with this Boggs guy?'" Which <laughs> that's pretty. <laughs> Tyler, uh, if she's still up, um, hope she's enjoying the show. Yeah, uh, but uh, so what was it about? What is it about Wade Boggs that made you uh, collect him? Well, the way I started off is I've been collecting uh, since 1978, 43 years, and for the longest time it was basically just buying packs. I, I I'd get complete sets of tops, you know, every year. I started that in 1980, I think. So I had started a run of complete sets, but it was really just buying boxes and packs of cards. I, I didn't have I didn't have a focus. I was just buying stuff. This is way before eBay. You know, I'd go to my local card shop, buy some stuff, see some packs in a department store, grocery store, whatever. Um, but then towards the late 90s, there just got to be so much product out there that, again, I got lost. I'm like, what do I go for this? Do I want to buy some of that? And I said, I, I need a focus. What, what do I want to have my collection be about? And I heard that there are these, you know, you could collect, oh, you can collect teams, you can collect uh, sets, which I sort of did, or you can do a player collection. I'm like, oh, a player, that would be fun to collect cards of just one player. And so I went through, I had think cards sorted by player, and I noticed I had a pretty decent amount, maybe a couple hundred of Wade Boggs cards. And I'm like, wow, I'm a Red Sox fan. Wade Boggs is an awesome hitter. I, I, in terms of baseball players, I've always found or appreciated players who could hit for high average than was they were just strong and could hit home runs. Um, I, I won't go into the story of liking Reggie Jackson when I was younger, but you know either, he was either home run or strikeout. Okay, and so it, to to me, his ability to walk, get on base, get on base hits, doubles off the green monster. I loved his attitude toward the game. And so I said, yeah, let's, let's go with Wade Boggs. And that's 23 years later. Here I am. Yeah. that's awesome. And if I could, if I could say quickly, yeah, I've heard stories of, Oh, you know, X player I, I collect and I love, and they get a chance to meet him. And they, they put that player on such a high pedestal of being in this great athlete and stuff. And then they meet him in person and I don't have any particular names out there, but I've heard stories of like, and eh, they were a little rude to me or they were dismissive or they didn't, you know, want to talk to me or whatever. I ha- honestly, I have to say Wade is amazing and so appreciative to all his fans out there. Um, he, he is a, you mentioned about the tip, uh, the story about the, the, the tip and he's just a really great guy. So that even adds to the fact that, Hey, I'm not co- only collecting cards of a great Hall of Famer, but also a great person as well. Right. To me, that's a prerequisite for for who I collect. Although I don't, I, I don't claim to have really done my due diligence on every player that I collect, but the few that I do. Um, and I guess and nothing against Jeremy Roenick. I do collect his cards. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I have personal experiences where he was just an excellent guy. So, um, so you know, it's nice when 
one of the things that I think collect a lot of collectors fear or or maybe should fear is when you collect a player and then you meet them and you're let down. You know, yes. that could really ruin the whole experience. So either know the I, I would almost recommend for complete conservatism, meet the player, make sure you're collecting someone you've already met, or just or don't ever meet them. Don't even, yeah. you know, unless it's just going to be yeah. a quick autograph at a card show or something, right? Yeah. Where they don't I, have again, I don't, I don't want to necessarily mention, mention the player, but I, I heard, I think maybe it's on a Facebook group or something. This subject came up and they said that they've been collecting this player for years and finally had a chance to meet him. And they were so rude to him. Uh, and he's like, I, I don't want to collect his cards anymore. And it's like, th this was such a letdown uh, that, you know, and it's just, it, it's a shame, but, and maybe you caught that player on a bad day. Maybe he was hounded by this or that or whatever. He was rushing to get here or there. You don't know. But it's an unfortunate thing that if you have a bad experience when you finally get to meet that person you've been collecting all these years for, and he doesn't live up to your expectations. But, uh, but you know, not you know, the John, case with dogs. The awareness that you just exhibited that maybe that player had a bad day or is dealing with a, an issue, and they they but they still – met their obligation or their or their commitment to being at this event you know you never know what anyone's going through at any given time so yeah yeah okay mike wick makes a comment love the story so glad to hear the friendships the hobby provides he's talking about the the, the rich was in your wedding party that's yeah. that's uh pretty awesome for sure uh, here's a why don't you take this question john best pure hitter in your opinion gwyn boggs or brett oh pure hitter um it, it no it would probably be a tie no between uh, Gwyn and Boggs. Nothing against Brett. Brett had, I think, maybe better overall stats, maybe more home runs, RBIs. Gwyn and Boggs weren't really RBI machines, but they got on base. And in terms of pure hitters, I hate to say this, maybe Gwyn just slightly over. I mean, man, Gwyn could. I mean, some of his years. And normally players that toward the end of their career – Start, you know, their numbers start dropping off a little bit. Man, Gwyn was just killing it even till he retired. So, yeah. sorry, Wade, but maybe, maybe, and I don't think Wade would probably disagree. I mean, I, I think he, the two of them, it, Wade was in the American League, Gwyn was in the National League, and I saw some uh, TV show or some special that they were both commenting about each other and said that they were glad that they were each in different leagues because the, the batting title battles and all that stuff um, that they got to appreciate each other because they played in different leagues. So, right. Yeah. I, you know, kind of off topic, but um, I used to own a Wade Boggs uh, 83 tops rookie, you know, and I love that year sharing it with, with Gwyn and uh, Ryan Sandberg as well, being the three big rookies in that set, mm -hmm. you know, to what extent does the, I appeal or design appeal of a rookie card cause somebody to become a player collector. I, I just had this idea. This might be super far-fetched. Uh, it very easily could be. Hmm. But I wonder, like, you know, if you're choosing between two players to collect, you might, you know, you might base it on the the which one which rookie card you like better. Maybe not. Let's move no. on. I think I think well, I might no, I mean, I, I, I can see that because if, if you want to start off by playing it uh, by collecting a player. You at least start looking at their rookie card that because that's the first card that they have. And so maybe if you want like a, a just pop in my head, a Thurman Munson, 
well, he's on a multiplayer card. I'm like, yeah, his his second year card is actually the nicest card. Amazing. Versus a um the the, the, the I don't know, trying to think of another that that has just a, their single card. You might say, wow, that that looks I like that one better, and maybe that would yeah. tip the scale. But that, that's an that's an instance where I could definitely see it happening. I'm a big fan of all of this of many second year cards where the player's rookie was a duel, like like uh, the Nolan Ryan, the Carlton Fisk, the Pete Rose. Munson, the '64 Pete, Pete Rose. I, I I picked up a copy uh, earlier this year. Um, just absolutely love that card of just I, his face there smiling and stuff. I have no desire, even if I had the money, I, I just have no desire of getting a 63 rookie. I just, I don't like the look of the card. I mean, I, I don't know. And it for grew, the money, I, just, I have both. I've got the 63 and the 64. And I love, to me, that's one of the nicest uh, and coolest looking second years. But I do, I love, you know, I, I'm a floating head guy. It's every year. Some every, people uh, do. And that that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every YouTube thumbnail I've made has been a, a floating head. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I, I, I have some affinity towards the 63 tops. Uh, uh, Willie Stargell's in that set, I think, as well, his rookie. Who? Willie Stargell? Stargell? Yeah, Stargell's yeah. in there, too. I love the 69 Nolan Ryan. I think that is a, an amazing uh, second-year card as well. Um, okay, let's keep going to some more comments here. Uh, overtime. Rob from Overtime Grading says that the best pure hitter was John Olerud. He had a he great swing. He did. He, he yeah. I, I watched him play on the uh, uh, Blue Jays and the Mets. I, I sort of root for the Mets in the National League, um, and I, I liked when he uh, was on the Mets. Yeah. And Joe wants to know what is Boggs's greatest career accomplishment? Is it lifetime batting average? I think if you would ask him, it was getting to three thousand hits. I, I, I oh. think that was one of, if not the goal. Uh, of his career was I, I think he realized how good of a hitter he was and especially early in those 80s when he was knocking out 200 hits a season I think he had that focus for a career accomplishment that that he wanted to get to 3,000 hits yeah I that's a big yeah. one for sure for sure uh Amish Dave Archer says does John count the one of ones of bogs towards the total checklist count that you're looking for or is it obtainable cards like serial numbered to five or more yeah I I have certain goal I, I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to I have a spreadsheet and what I have don't have and serial numbers and all this stuff right? you fit right in John welcome yeah. to the club yeah and so uh Dave, I yeah, I've I've looked at and I have certain goals. Box has over two thousand one of ones. Uh, I have a hundred. I have a hundred and seventy four. I think not even close to. And some of my other box collector friends have much, many more than I do. It, that's just not attainable. I don't even try to go after them anymore. So yes, I do have. Once you take out the one of ones, and maybe even the ones that are serial number five or less, I have a goal of. Um, Cards serial numbered 10 or greater or unnumbered. My goal is to try to get to 70% of all those cards that have been made. And I'm I'm right, I might get 70, 71%. Oh, so you're there. So yeah. yeah. That's cool. So now you can start digging deeper. But I like yep. the question because it's sort of 
um, guiding to other player collectors who might be trying to find where to where do you draw the line? You actually, you know, if you have a list of every card every that your players ever had, you yeah. need to draw a line somewhere. If you're sorted by by print run, you yep. got to draw the line. I think drawing it at ten is good, but not not to not to say that if a card under of under ten came out, you wouldn't acquire yeah. it if the price was right. It it, it depends who you're collecting. I mean, you, you depending on the player, you can get cards serial numbered out of 10. I, I've bought some Boggs cards, serial numbered out of five. They were a base parallel, non-autographed, non-game used. And I've managed to pick them up for maybe 20 bucks. I mean, they won't break the bank, but there are some that are serial numbered out of five that come out from, you know, tops tier one that have bat pieces and a patch and stuff, and they go for 175, 200 bucks. So I think it's more to that budget issue. If you have a player that has an extensive checklist, yeah, go, go through and say, hey, I can still build a great collection and still not have anything less than, you know, card serial numbered cards, you know, less than 25. And I can still enjoy and build that collection because that stuff that's really rare is out of my price range. Yeah. And you can still be happy and build a great collection. Let's go to Lapper's question here. If you didn't collect Wade Boggs, who would be the next guy you think you would have collected? I, I love this question. I, I, yeah, I, I've had this question asked of me before, and and I don't know if I have. I I probably say just for budget purposes, um, Karyostremski, another Red Sox player. I think uh, an overlooked Hall of Famer. Oh, I I know your your a, previous. A, a beautiful rookie card, by the way. A stunning yes. rookie card. Which I bought at this year's National. Oh, congrats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, uh, Reed, your previous guest, uh, mentioned about, uh, I forget the term he used, but there's no such thing as a lower tier Hall of Famer or something like that. Um, in terms of their stats, or hey, they're Hall of Famers. But in terms of hobby interest, there are certain players that, you can get at a lower price point. And Yastrzemski, there's some Red Sox collectors out there and Yastrzemski collectors. So he's not cheap, but he would probably be a guy, I've already actually started a small little Yastrzemski collection, but he has his vintage cards and he's also in a lot of modern issues. So I'm sure his checklist is pretty big. So yeah, if it wasn't Boggs, I probably would have be going Yastrzemski. Yeah, good, good. Good answer. I love it. Um, okay. Troy wants to know, are all those library drawers filled with Boggs cards? Not yet. Um, I have, I don't know if you can see there, uh, there's 90 drawers. Uh, Mike Baseball Collector has the Beast. Yeah. I just have the card catalog. It's not very as exciting. But 90 drawers, I am probably a little over halfway filled. And that's just, that's my Boggs cards. Well, and um, so did you ever talk to Mike and say, hey, you got the beast, which is a which is well known in the hobby. You know, <laughs> everyone knows he's got the beast. Why don't uh, Why don't you have like the mini beast or 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 something like that? Did you ever talk to him? But does he have trademark on that? Or I I don't know if he has a trademark. I'm fine with the card catalog. Yeah, it, no, yeah it, it, it's fine. But yeah, I mean, it, could, it could be the mini beast. Uh, but his but, is uh, his is handmade by by him and his father, right? I Your, saw. I watched the videos. I I wish I had the talent to do something like that. I have it up here but just not the skill to actually, uh, or the tools uh, to do it. No, but I, I got these at a, a library auction and got a great deal 
on them and uh, they are perfect. The only things that don't fit in there are PSA slabs. Mm. Beckett slabs fit for some reason, but the PSA slabs are just a little bit, I don't have too many, which is good. Um, I, I'm not that into PSA graded or generally graded box cards. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Criminal Mind uh, just wants to approve your answer. The Gwyn was the greatest pure, era, pure hitter of his era. Vintage Card says, meet the player first. Great call, Jeremy. I mean, thank you, Vintage, but not often that easy to do, right? Maybe not realistic in, in many cases, especially if you collect a player who lives far away or who is still in their career and isn't signing at card shows or making appearances. So uh, I think... The other thing to do is collect someone who has passed away then at least you have that unless you read some tell-all biography you still have that aura or image of how great that player was and you yeah, can't they, be disappointed they, exactly they can't disappoint you right yeah. you, you should probably know everything about them uh daniel make makes mention that uh, jordan bennington the goaltender for the st louis blues just got engaged to his cousin maybe that's maybe that seems like a good reason to collect his cards now. See, that's to me maybe. I'd but I'd almost feel a little weird about like wouldn't that be weird at a family event though? When you're like, uh, "Hi, Jordan, I'm." I've got, yeah, you know, hey, can, can, you, can you sign my card? Can you? Yeah, I, I don't know. know, but um, yeah, a couple. I think it's nice to have a couple, but I certainly would. I I mean, I don't think I could see myself turning into a super collector of someone in my, you know, that married into my family or something like that. Not, not nothing against it. Go for it. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. maybe, but I think, I think having a couple cards is, is almost like a no brainer at that yeah. point. For sure. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. Mike Wick says, I met Pete. I think he's talking Rose at the Pasadena Texas show last weekend. Great guy. And should no doubt be in the, Oh yeah. Be in the hall of yeah. fame. Yeah. I'd sign that petition for sure. For sure. Yeah, Pete was at the, the, the national and he, I just saw he was at one of the, the, just the normal booths just sitting there. And I look at him, I'm like, what's Pete doing? There? And it wasn't like a big line. He had a ball in his hand. I think it was maybe going to be signing for someone. He was just talking baseball and there were like just a couple people hanging around the booth, just like nobody's business. I'm like, yeah, Pete Rose is just sitting there talking and stuff. And so he, yeah. <laughs> Dan, okay. Daniel uh, makes clears things up that he was joking about collecting paintings <laughs> cards. Well, so we're on the same page then, Daniel. Yeah. I, I know Daniel personally. I know that uh, yeah. he's too cool for that. Anyway, uh, Tyler says I'd say Beast Light, but Milwaukee's best uh, light already owns uh, that nickname. Yeah. Yeah. Dave uh, Amish Dave Archer wants to know is everything insured? And he says because you know with my one billion player collectors, I'm always nervous about weather or disaster wiping the collection out. So yeah, how how do you approach that for yourself, John? Yeah, I I have um in my homeowner's insurance, there's a small rider that I have, but it's it's small. So I actually do have a specific uh, insurance for my card collection, and and I think when you've built up a collection, uh, like mine, it just over the years, you, you you just don't want to see something bad happen to all that effort. Now, I'm not worried about flooding because I'm on the second floor of my house, but you never know, storm damage, other things, heaven forbid, theft, um, all that stuff. Um, I can be I can be covered. And for the annual premium, it's it's worth it in my opinion. But it is, and not to rain on your parade, but I mean, let's be honest, for all of us watching right now, and you and I, 
who are watching and participating. If our collections were to get wiped out for whatever reasons and we were compensated for their value, I mean, we'd still be disappointed, I think, because. Oh, yeah. It's not about the money. And to be honest with you, if I had to sell everything today, I, I try to buy on the cheap. Okay, I'm, I'm my my friends know my fellow collectors know I'm a cheapskate. Okay, and because with my budget and stuff, but I know that even with the money that I've put into my collection, if I had to sell everything, especially all at once, I probably wouldn't get back what I had into it. Especially the the desire, the the longevity, the passion of it. Yeah, I may get a check at the end of the day, and it's like, I. I don't know. I, I'd be disappointed and it would actually be hard. I, cause someone had asked me this before. Well, if something like that did happen, would you start all over again with Wade Boggs? And I, I, I don't know. Not, not that I don't, it would just the daunting task of knowing that, you know, this was 23 years in the making to, to know that even if I had all that money, you just, you just can't quickly just buy all that stuff. And some of the stuff, is so hard to find. Like, I don't know if I could ever replace that card because it's out of five produced from 2005 and I may never see another copy again. Um, I, I don't know. I may just decide to just go into vintage cards or, or some, something else. I don't know. I, I don't even want to think about it. No, but you saw, <laughs> I was just, I was just looking at my, my, my schedule of prior guests and I was trying to see when it was. So, Back in April, I had on on After Hours, I had a, a guest by the name of Milan on the show. He's known as a Kobe East Coast on Instagram. And he went through something similar, uh, although it was deliberate, where he collected Kobe Bryant for years and built an amazing Kobe Bryant collection, like something that anybody would be, any Kobe collector or even Jordan or LeBron collector would be very envious of right now because of just the particular cards that he had. And in his life, and I read, this is another great collector episode back then. Um, again, it was, this was on, uh, this was back, this was on After Hours number 30, which by the way, tonight is After Hours number 50 that oh, we are okay. on. So this is the 50th time we've done this show. Wow. Yeah. And 50 is an anniversary number. So happy to spend it with you tonight. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's, it's my anniversary. So anyway, Milan was a collector of Kobe and he ended up uh, buying a house uh, to, for his family sold his Kobe collection to facilitate that. Mm -hmm. Well, he then became a collector again. But he said, and I asked him in the show, we talked about it, he said, now he collects Derek Jeter. And he does not collect Kobe. And the and the question arises, like, well, how do you not collect him? You, you put your blood, sweat, and, and hobby tears into it over for the first segment of your collecting career. And now you're just going to someone totally different. He, and his his answer was basically that, like, you know, it, it's done. Like I got to do something different now, you know, and, and I could see when you were just thinking about it, you, it's yeah. an emotional thing as well. Like yeah. I'm done. I don't have those. I built it. It's, I got to move on to something different. So I understand yeah. your hesitation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes, it makes sense to me. Uh, Bobby Burrell says he sold an unusual Wade Boggs painted photo baseball five years ago. Wonder if John purchased it. Could that have been you or maybe that was rich? I've oh, seen, I bet you that was rich because I've, I've seen um, painted uh, photo baseballs and I, I do not have one. I, I think I nearly bought one, but 
but I think Rich probably has five or six. So my buddy Rich probably bought that from you. Very cool. Very cool. Pick in Messenger. Okay, let's see, Bobby. He just sent me a picture of it. I'm going to show it. Maybe you've seen it in Rich's house where you just were recently. Yep, I think he does. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yep. See how this is all real time. We're talking. Bobby sends me a pic. I can show it to the world. That's so funny. Yep. Um, thanks for sending that over, Bobby. Uh, okay, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about your, and we can come back to collecting bogs and being a player collector and all that. But let's talk about your collecting experience itself and and your YouTube experience is really what I mean. Um, when did you start in YouTube, and why did you start doing YouTube with your own channel? I've been on YouTube creating content for a little over a year and a half now. And for the longest time, I was in my own little bubble other than my other bogs, you know, collecting friends, just building my collection, going on eBay. I don't really have a whole lot of card shows in my area, so it's mainly eBay. And I was just doing my own thing, just going along. And about two years ago, I don't know what prompted me maybe something on a facebook page or whatever i saw started watching some youtube channels on sports cards i'm like wow they have a cool collection oh well that's that's pretty cool look what they got in the mail today and, and it just then i started realizing there's this whole other community out there and i was like that is really cool and i'm like I could probably do that. You know, I, I could maybe show off some of my Boggs cards in my collection and then this and that. And um, I got my inspiration by from, from two main channels, Mike Baseball Collector and the, the John Mangini Collection. I uh, started watching their videos and, and others as well, but I, I kept going back to the two of those uh, videos and just saw how they did the videos and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. So I got the stuff, I got a camera, I got this or whatever. I'm like, okay, let me start. And I just started off showing different weight bogs, cards, and this, and it's just expanded. But the fact that I'm on YouTube now um, just has made my hobby experience just so much more exciting and enjoyable because it's not just me doing what I'm doing. I get to share it with others and see others collections and how they're building their collections see the excitement that they have for a card that they at just added to their collection i've got to see some really cool cards um envious of many other people's collections uh, that i see out there and the interaction with my comments on their videos or their comments on my videos and then to get to meet them in person at the national it's just opened up a whole new avenue of my collecting enjoyment. And I, I guess that's the best way of putting it, of, of being able to be on YouTube. What was your social media activity like before YouTube? Did you do any hobby stuff like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, I, I did. I was on Twitter. Um, my friend Rich and I uh, formed a Facebook uh, page for our joint collections. We're, we're both hosts, so we both post stuff on that. I started something on Instagram, but it, I've had more interaction, I guess, on, on Twitter uh, with different people's uh, posts and stuff. And that was a start. That was my sort of the introduction of other 
world out there of, of collectors. Uh, I've been, I've actually been posting a Wade Boggs card of the day on my Twitter and Instagram and Facebook for probably seven years now, straight, every single day. I, I may have missed, I, I calculated, I may have missed three days in like seven years. And I've been going in order. I started off with my um, 81 TCMA uh, minor league card, and I'm just getting up to the year 2000. I just want to and say, so, yeah. sorry, John, I just want to say that you are a model of consistency and discipline. I mean, the way you've missed three days there, you stick to your, your budget, you know, you like, that's well done. Very, very, very impressed. Well, I call it insanity, but you can call it whatever you want. No, it, it it's about, yeah, it's, it, you, you just get, for me, I get into a routine. Oh, it's noon. Before I eat my lunch, I got to post the card of the day. I mean, seriously, I mean, that's like, forget that. I got to post my card of the day and I, it's, it's just a routine I've gotten into. And, um, it's, it's funny because as soon as I post it, cause I normally do it around noon. Um, Wade Boggs usually checks his Twitter account probably around that same time. So one of the first likes I get on my, uh, Twitter posts of the card of the day, I see, Oh, Wade Boggs liked your, uh, tweet. So that's, that's, cool. that's cool that he sees the, the card of the day every day. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, speak a little bit about just, I guess we've kind of touched on it already, but actually let's take this angle. So I want to get more into the community, the friendships you've made, the relationships and the hobby, but let's take it from the angle of this national, this past, this last national that we were both at, we didn't meet there, but, um, and just like when you do YouTube as you've done it for a year and a half and actually, uh, Mark says that would be March 2020. Sounds about that's how it feels. Sounds right. So nice yeah. to know that that, uh, yep. that he agrees with with when you started. Yep. But um, a lot of the interaction that we we've had on YouTube and you've had is just virtual, you know. And then you go to the national and you meet all these people or many yep. of them in person. Speak to that a little bit, John. Just about like the community, the friendships, and then the the transition from these relationships simply being virtual to now meeting in person and, and how that, how that went down for you and how it felt. Yeah, it, it was, it was weird. It was exciting at, at the same time. Cause again, a few of them I've spoken to on the phone. Uh, so it's maybe gone a little bit beyond just virtual of YouTube or text messages or something like that. And sometimes it's, it's a couple of times it's been a shock. Cause I, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a tall person. I'm maybe five, seven, maybe if I'm lucky in, in sneakers. And I attended this uh, Thursday night YouTube get together event. And it's hard to tell people are sitting in chairs. Sometimes they don't you even see their face in these videos. And my goodness, so many people were so tall. I'm like, look, I'm like, wow, you're, you're the one I see on. So that, and there was a good icebreaker and, and opening up, but it's the fact that, all of those guys were were just so nice and real and exactly how they portrayed themselves on their YouTube videos. So it wasn't this facade that they had on YouTube and doing this and doing that. And then when you meet them in person, sort of like collecting a, a certain player, you get to meet that person, you know, live and in, in, in person. And they're what you expected it to be. So that was another, that was one exciting aspect of it. And just the, the the casual talk. I mean, you 
you're meeting a somewhat stranger, someone you've interacted with a little bit, but you instantly have that common bond of collecting sports cards and you immediately can go and you have stuff to talk about. And, and if you get to know them long enough, you get to talk beyond that, you know, their jobs, their life and, and stuff like that, and actually get to know them a lot better than you can on just the interaction on YouTube comments or something. And eventually they become uh, a groomsman in your wedding party, which uh, which is a real a real testament to the hobby. Yet yet again, I'll mention that. Here's the question. Criminal Mind, off topic, wants to know, how did Wade Boggs get the nickname the Chicken Man? Did he really eat chicken before every game? Jim Rice gave him the nickname Chicken Man because, yes, Wade is very uh, superstitious. He had, um, when he was with Boston, I think it carried on to the Yankees and, and Devil Rays, but I forget the exact times, but he would take batting practice at a certain time during the day or so often before the start of the game. Uh, he'd do take ground balls at a certain time of the day. Uh, he'd write the symbol chai in the batter's box every time. He had all these rituals. And one of them, I think he, the story goes, if I have this correct, he was in a little minor batting slump. And he had he went out for lunch before the game or something like that and had some chicken. And that next that day he went three for four or something like that. And the next day he ch- and it's just like, hey, and just from then he just started, he literally did eat some chicken before every game. And so Jim Rice gave him the nickname Chicken Man. Okay, there we go. There you go, criminal mind. How, uh, back to the national. How many have you been to? Uh, this year was my third, uh, 2015, 2019, and, and this year. Uh, I'm thinking about, since it's a lot closer to me, I'm thinking very hard and probably will go to uh, Atlantic City uh, next year. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, being able to save up some money <laughs> to be able to actually buy stuff there. Um, like I said, I, I kept telling people when I was telling them about the National, who didn't know about cards and stuff, yeah, I'm going to this thing and I'm – bringing what I think is a decent amount of money for me. I said, but I could walk up, go in, go to the first table, hand the guy all my money and walk away with one card and say, that's it. I mean, just like that. It's just, let me ask you this. Let's say you couldn't let, let me ask you this. Would you go to the Atlantic city national? If you could go with no money to spend on cards, but just to go see all the people uh, in the hobby and, and your friends. Yes. It it is it, to it's to that point, especially given this year's national, and how and it wasn't just that Thursday night get together, but prior to it and after that, throughout the convention, I'd be walking around and I'd bump into someone, someone would bump into me, and say, "Hey, how's it going? Hey, did you get anything today?" And just just my previous trips to the national, I just walked around myself. It was just just me. I had a great time, but I was by myself here. This national, I felt that it was more of a community group thing. And so, yeah, even if I didn't have any money to spend on cards, um, I'd go just for the interactions and meeting up again with all the, the people that I met this year. Yeah. It's, it's to that point. Yeah. It's to that point, right? It's the annual, it's the annual uh, summit for all of us. It's the get-together now. It's not just the yeah. national. It's the get-together. It's not just about the cards, right? It's not just you can still go there and just have a great time hanging out with people and you know and look at some great cards and some great memorabilia i mean it's the stuff that you'll 
never see in person. You, you can see them in an auction book or on eBay. But, you know, in 20, I think it was 2015, I think it was, maybe 2019, some dealer had the Honus Wagoner for sale in his display. And I'm like, wow, you have a Honus Wagoner? I'm like, any chance I can take a look at it? And he said, yeah. I'm like, so he got out of his case and he let me hold it. And I, you know, I turned it over. I think he wanted 700,000 or something. It was a, it was a two, I think. Steel. Um, and yeah, he actually took it out. Of his, let me hold it. He, he knew I was not buying it, <laughs> but it's just one of those things that I got to hold a T206 Honus Wagner in my hand. Yeah. Where else are you going to do that? The national national i've held three honus wagners at nationals uh one was the atlantic city in 20 i believe that was 18 and then uh in like i think it was 2013 in cleveland it was either mm -hmm. cleveland or baltimore and whatever year that was i held two at the same time one of the auction houses i forget which one had two and i took a picture with him i can't find the picture and i was probably on an old computer in my old computer bin that i'd have to revive and find but yeah that, that's i think i still cool. have that picture on my phone and yeah. what and when I posted it to, I think at the time it was just Twitter. Um, I forget someone commented, just put run. I'm like, yeah, so yeah, right. like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, don't that's bad move, no. bad move, but I get it. I get it. I want to say hello to transparent grading team. They've been joining us the last few weeks. Good evening, gentlemen. If that's Anthony, hello, Anthony. Craig says, did Wade Boggs really drink a case of beer on flights or before and after games? Would you know the answer? That's to that? the that's that's the story, and and the actual number is I think still under debate. I I, I think he doesn't necessarily want to talk to a, about it that much. I I've heard as as much as hundred and seven in one day. It was you know early in the day and on the cross country flight from. I want to say he was with the Yankees, maybe. Sorry, 107 beers in one day? 107 Miller Lights. Supposedly that's, yeah. How I does your bladder? In fact, they, they did, a, it, it's sunny in uh, Philadelphia. It's it's, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That There's a sitcom or whatever. They actually did an episode. And they have, some people do annual contests where they try to drink as many beers as Boggs <laughs> did in a day. It's the Boggs Challenge. I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's fun, but I don't really, I'm not really interested in all that stuff yet, but supposedly the number is 107 in one day. I, uh, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Uh, Daniel says, I hit it another home run with John as the guest tonight, pun intended on the home run. Yeah. I mean, it's been, this has been a very pleasurable uh, evening uh, in terms of just relaxed episodes, both Reed and yourself are a, a really nice to have on so i'm glad that uh, i'm glad i'm glad that actually that that we made this happen john because it was kind of kind of uh not not you you weren't an expected guest for me yeah. let's say yeah you know you actually how did this happen you actually i reached you, out to you yeah yeah you had uh mike baseball collector on and i watched that episode and i said wow hey that's that's really cool the the interaction between the two of you <clears throat> he was talking about uh, his vintage collection and um, other aspects of the hobby, uh, industry, what's going on and all that stuff. And I think that was before the national, uh, yeah, I think so you had, had, had dared that. And I just reached out there. I think I just did a comment on, Hey, Jeremy, that was, that was a great show. Oh, if you cool. ever want, uh, you know, someone, the aspect of like a player collector, let me know. 
And Yuish Dow said, yeah, hey, that'd be great to have you on sometime. And <clears throat> here we are. So, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad you reached out because it's exactly what uh, it's exactly the kind of episode that we were that, that, that I feel the show needed right now. There's been so much action in the hobby over the last so much couple news. Of months. It's just all that all the turmoil and stuff and stuff that we don't know how it's going to shake out in the next three, four, five years. And sometimes it's just nice to, again, just chat about yes, what's yes. good about the hobby and not all this who's taking over this and how's it going to affect that. And yeah, just have a nice chat about the hobby that we love. Exactly. <laughs> so I want to ask you, you mentioned that you've been married uh, this time now for three years. Um, your new wife, three years in, she obviously knew what she was getting with you because she <laughs> saw yeah. this room or where, whatever your collection. And she still did, married me. Yes. She, she still did. married you. So how, uh, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of us male collectors, we have significant others and we need to find a way to uh, convince them that it's okay and let us spend our money on it. You know, that kind of thing. How did, how did that work out? Tell us the story from how, how did you integrate her into the collecting part of your life? Well, as we started dating and getting to know each other, you know, we learned about what our interests and <clears throat> likes were and stuff. And I said, yeah, I've been collecting baseball cards since I was, you know, six years old. And it's a big part of my life. I mean, this is this isn't going anywhere. And she's like, well, OK. And and <clears throat> she she learned to appreciate and and because she loves me. She said, Hey, this is what you love. So I want to support you in that, which is just amazing. And it's more than just, I, I know collectors where their wives are just don't, don't, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. Just do what you want to do. As long as you pay the bills, I don't care. I don't want to have anything to do with it to the other side with my wife. And I I've, I've given her compliments on my YouTube channel all the time. She not only just lets me collect, just say, yeah, she act, I don't want to say actively participates, but she supports my collection, has actually bought stuff for my Wade Boggs collection for Christmas or birthdays. And I have my checklist on a Google Doc. And so she has access to it. And she took it upon herself. I showed her, okay, here's the checklist. Here's the, the tops, this or whatever. And here's how you find it on eBay. And she took the time and effort to go through. She first started just buying Wade Boggs cards for me. And she's like, well, do you have that one? I'm like, yeah. Oh, do you have that one? Yeah. And she's like, well, I don't want to buy you cards that you already have. So Again, she took it upon herself, and I just have to give her props because she puts a lot of time and effort to try to find cards that I don't have on my checklist. And she searches eBay. She's reached out to my other Boggs collecting friends, to, to Rich and some of the others. If she's stuck on something or wants to make sure, hey, is this what I think it is? So I am extremely, extremely lucky. Yeah, no. No doubt. And I mean, of course, she's going to reach out to Rich. Rich was in her wedding. So it makes yeah. sense that she would, she has that relationship, which is yep. great that she yep. actually, you know, my wife uh, always wants to know what to get me for my birthday or Father's Day. 
and she never can. And she, but she says, "I won't buy you cards. You you buy you buy your own cards." It's not, yeah. you know, not or here here's money. You buy what you want. I don't I have no idea which. My wife went to the national with me this year, and one is just a little vacation. What? How? Oh, I was gonna say, how did she like the national itself? She we went uh, the Thursday, and she actually went to the the YouTube after party because I'd watch these videos in the living room, and she'd hear these you know people talking on on the videos and stuff, and she's like, yeah, I'd like to meet them. And there's there's one in particular, Pepino man, who is he has crazy. He goes. She said, I have to meet Pepino, man. I'm like, he's not going to be like I talked about personas. He does some crazy stuff just to have fun on the videos. But he's actually a down-to-earth great guy. But she's like, I need to meet Pepino, man. And she did. And she was overwhelmed at the show. But sort of in a good way. She wasn't bored. She wasn't like, when can we leave? And uh, she was just like, oh, my God, look at all this stuff and the prices. She saw a couple of Mickey Mantles. She goes, Eighty five thousand dollars. I'm like, yeah, and that's only for a three, you know, or so. And yeah, she it, she was exhausted by that day. It was a full day, but she enjoyed it because she she actually wanted to go. One, I only one day. I didn't push my luck and say, hey, you want to come back again? But uh, uh, yeah, she had a good time. Good. That that's great to hear. And you in on your channel, you you documented your national experience. And she's in the video with with you, so you yeah. can actually see her in you know taking it in, which is which was cool that she came with you. I thought that was awesome. So yeah, kudos kudos to her. I uh, want to say hello to Mickey Pascarello. Welcome back, Mickey. Thank you for joining. Great to see you. Criminal Minds says I hate to admit this, but Boston has the most passionate hardcore sports fans. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I think yeah. I don't know how much argument you're going to get from, from many people uh, for that comment there. Love what you collect. I love the story. Your wife seems amazing. Very, very nice. Tyler Everyone asks if she has a sister. No, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> that question, you know that question's coming. Uh, Tyler says, it's awesome that she supports your collecting. My girlfriend once snuck off at a card show to buy me a 56 Clemente, most important card in my collection. Nice. That's a good girlfriend, Tyler. Very, yep. very good. Is she still awake or does she still want to know what the deal is with, with, with this Wade Boggs guy? <laughs> uh, Mark says, criminal mind. What about New York, the Yankees, and the Rangers? Talking about the fans. Todd says, once the wife sees the dollar aspect of it, once you die, they are all in. Once you die, they're all well, in. Well, you, you talk about insurance. The The other thing that, again, you need to think about is a will and what happens to your collection. Now, my wife knows that my collection is going to go to my son. I mean, he he's at one point he had, he's in college now, but at one point he had interest in baseball cards, but even when I started this whole thing and had a, a child, I only have one son. Um, she knows that it's it, in my will, my entire collection is going to him and he can do whatever. If he wants to sell everything, that's fine. I'll be gone. But um, yeah, it's yeah, another thing to think about in, in addition to insurance. Yeah. It's a good call out right there. You know, if, and people and hobbyists need to know, and I don't know what, if there's a dollar value sort of um, that, that, you know, level that you'd say, you know, okay, if you have a collection that's worth $10,000 or more, maybe, maybe depends, I guess, what your, what your whole situation is, but whatever's significant to you, it's good. It's, it's really important to have a plan. If something happens to you that what, you know, what is going to happen to your collection, especially if you have a family, you know, you don't want to leave that in limbo. You want to set your, 
yeah. your surviving spouse or family up with uh, with some pretty clear instructions. I would yeah, say. and and if yeah, not just who gets the collection, but if you have a significant collection, to provide them information on who to go to, you know, say hey, contact this auction house or do this or or, or do that. Set things up because especially if your spouse has no idea what what's in your collection. Oh yeah, he just does this. I have no idea. He has boxes of cards. I have no idea what he collects, right? And then he, you you pass away, and she goes, "I have no idea what this stuff is. How am I going to sell it?" Okay, yard sale. My wife jokes about whenever I go on vac, you know, on a, on a trip or whatever. She's like, "Yeah, don't worry, I'll I'll do good at the yard sale. You know, twenty five cents a card should do good." And I'm like, "Yeah, no, she's yeah. joking." But you know, it's it's also good to let them know how to go about selling or liquidating the collection, where to go, who to talk to. I in my in my papers, I I have a uh, instructions with exactly who to talk to to make sure that you do as well as you can on this stuff yeah. and uh, and convert it to to cash in an optimal sort of way. Yeah. So, Kevin says, I'm surprised she likes it. The national, I mean, hey, people. There were a lot, you know, uh, another YouTuber, uh, Dustin, the personal finance dad. I don't know if you're familiar with Dustin, yep. John, but he, his wife was at the national with him and she had a great time. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was nice to see. Yeah. I, I, I saw other, you know, it is, it is heavily male dominated this, this hobby, but oh really? I saw, I, I saw a lot of, a good number of, of women there, collectors and stuff. And then, and, and, and which was great to see. Absolutely. And yeah, my, again, the attitude that my wife has about this, she wants to learn about this hobby that I enjoy so much. And she actually was looking forward to that day and yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the women of the hobby, uh, which is also the name of a YouTube channel run by Sam Shuford. Um, but the women in the hobby got together. They had an event at the national. They were like, I don't know. I saw a picture. It must've been 40 or 50 of them, um, which were, nice. out, which was, which was really cool for sure. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was, that was amazing. It was really nice to see that. So, okay. Um, I'm looking at, I'm kind of looking at the, the notes that I had here, John, I think we've hit just about everything that, that we, uh, that we were kind of planning to talk to. Uh, you know what? One thing, I'm going to ask you because we sort you sort of touched on this, but I want to make sure that you touched on it to the extent that you wanted to, because this is something you brought up, which was how the, how your mindset can change from being a player collector or collecting only one player to adding another genre like vintage to your collecting. Um, And I saw you put out a video just yesterday or today on your channel about your new collecting focus. So yeah. For for people who are maybe strict player collectors or just looking to find and to add a second sort of uh, direction, can you speak to that for a couple of minutes? Sure. Um, I, I, I previously you know mentioned how I was you know collecting bogs and I wanted something else because it was my acquisitions were slowing down a little bit um, and I still wanted something else to to collect. It, moving from like a player collector to some other form of collecting you, you still have to have a focus and it is slightly a different mindset from a player collector to collecting something else so my other something else is is vintage hall of famers and i quickly realized the difference because with the player collector you're you're so narrowly focused you're just looking for cards of that 
player. And it's easy to have that focus. When I moved to something else and said, okay, I want to focus on vintage. Well, to me, vintage is 1980 and back. So I was like, oh, well, okay. Well, my focus is just Hall of Famers. Well, that's okay. That's easy. Well, it wasn't because I started looking through listings and, well, well, do I want this 1974 card or do I want this 1957 card or the 62 card or, you know, what do I want this player or that player? And I quickly realized that I was just, it was just too big, right? So I had to get a focus within that new area. And so I'm like, okay, let me start with some 78s and 79s. I'm, I'm putting together a raw 78 set. That was the first year I started collecting. It's special to me. So I want to put a nice hand set together. So let me start with 78s, maybe 79s. So again, I focused on getting those Hall of Famers. Not quite getting got all of them yet. And then as that sort of dried up a little bit, I'm like, well, let me go 1980 and then open it up to 77. And so I've slowly, as I've gotten more and more of those cards, opened it up because to me, it was just, it was like a mini national. There were so many Hall of Famers from 1980 and past that I could go after. I couldn't, there's just so much to go after. I couldn't decide what I wanted to get. I couldn't pull the trigger on anything. It's like, well, if I want, if I buy that, then maybe I can't buy that. Well, do I want that card or do I like this other one better? And so, yeah, even switching from a player collector to even something else that sort of has a focus of what you think is another focus, you may have to adjust that to realize, okay, it, it, I'm taking on too, too big of a project. Let me chop it down into bits or something like that. Um, the other thing was with my just the last video that I uh, posted was a new project of, okay, yeah, I may want their Hall of Famers, their playing day cards, but what about modern cards? I'm, I have some modern cards, but I'm not really into modern cards, current players. But some of the newer sets have the veterans in them. So I'm like, okay, well, and I think Mike Baseball Collector, someone sent him a, a Jackie Robinson from, I forget what year, 20-something, um, one of the short print variations. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Well, maybe I can add that to my vintage, still keep Hall of Famers, not very expensive. And so I was like, well, wait a minute. There are a bunch of products. Stadium Club comes out with great images of veterans in their normal set. Alan Ginter, Gypsy Queen, they all have, have featured veteran players, a lot of Hall of Famers. So when I first thought about it, I'm like, wait a minute, again, that's too big. What, what can I narrowly focus on? So I said, let me do the short print image variations that Topps put out in its flagship. So I put a checklist together, and even there, there's several hundred of them. So that's a good small little project. When I get done or close to being done, then maybe I'll say, maybe I'll buy some stadium club. Maybe I'll go through the stadium club checklist of the Hall of Famers and maybe go and collect them. But you have to take small little bites, at least for me, on a budget. You know, when you're, I guess, when you're collecting a player and then you're looking for, you're, you're kind of, when the when the buying frequency, you know, kind of slows down, 
you need you're a collector like you are a collector you need you will find something else just like we're we're we are we're human we need to eat we will find something to eat you will find something yeah you will find something to collect right yeah you know and so you you just got to find something that works. It sounds like uh, sounds like you've been able to do that. So that's that's yeah. pretty cool. It's 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 like an addiction. You need your fix. It's like okay, if I can't buy these cards, what else can I buy? Yeah. And if exactly. I can't get this, what else can I buy? Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I just want to call attention to uh, Kevin Furt has a Wagner PSA ten. Wants one. Well, I think uh, Billy Wagner are yeah. uh, yeah, Billy. Billy Wagner, PSA 10, probably about 50, 60 bucks, uh, Kevin, I would say. But uh, good luck with your sale, for sure. Good luck with your sale. Um, all right. Well, is there anything else that you want to talk about, John, before we uh, before we wrap up? We're already at an hour. I, th- I, I, I think, and I've mentioned this on, on my, my channel before, again, there are so many different ways to collect. Now, I'm a player collector mainly. But you could be a team collector. You can go after autographs. You can go after rookie cards. So many different aspects. <clears throat> but to me, if you want to be a collector, now I'm not talking about the investors or flippers or breakers or all that stuff. But for collectors, one, it's best to have a budget so you don't get over your head. And you need a focus. You, you, you need to have that area and again it can start off small and then it can grow but for me um it just it becomes a lot more difficult if you have such a wide net that you're looking because there's so many options to to buy cards and you just you just get lost at least for me so my suggestion is again try to have a a reasonable budget you know spend within your means get your bills paid first you know, and then what you have available, put toward the hobby that you love and have a collecting focus. And most of all, have fun. I mean, just enjoy. So many people at least enjoy what you collect and collect what you enjoy and all that stuff. Just have fun. This is a hobby for most of us. Okay. Some of us have a business, but this is supposed to be fun and enjoyable. And just go out and enjoy what you have. Uh, don't get jealous in that you know, fear of missing out and all that stuff. Enjoy others' collections for what they have. Enjoy the collection that you have and the time and effort that you've put into it. Have fun. And as I think Mike Baseball Collector says, keep collecting. So. <laughs> well said. Yeah. I don't know if I can put it much better uh, than, than all that. So yeah, well said. Well said. All right. Well, we're, we'll just go to a few more comments, but I'll, I'll encourage the chat. If you have any final comments, questions, Get them out now, please. Uh, we have a couple that have come in. So let's let's have a look at these. Craig wants to know, what is the most expensive Boggs card ever sold? Do you know what that would be? Most expensive Boggs card ever sold was probably in a raw copy, probably the 96 Select Mirror Gold. Uh, those, those tend to go raw for, I think the last one went for over $600, $700. Now you get to certain some one of ones, okay. That may be uh, up there as well. Um, graded copies, I think there was, uh, you know, the PSA ten tops rookie cards had been going over a thousand fifteen hundred. Um, there was a Beckett, I think someone had a Beckett ten. 
um, or maybe it was just a 9.5. It was something really, the pop is a lot lower than the PSA 10s. That one, I think, went for a few thousand dollars. That would just because a, a low pop. That'd be a BGS 10 for sure for that yeah. price. Yeah. 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 So, so he's, he's an affordable, relatively speaking, an affordable relatively player speaking. to yep. collect. Yeah. Which yeah. is always a, a good, a good entry point. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to come in and collect, you know, LeBron James or now Mike Luka Trout or Connor McDavid, Mike Trout. Yeah. Tom Brady, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, collect- that's another thing. If you, if you want to be a player collector, again, think about how many cards are out there, what the competition is out there, because more competition means you're bidding and, and having to bid higher to, to win the cards and w- what the cards are going for and your budget. So again, if you want to say, boy, who I want to start a player collection, who, do, who should I go after? We talked about liking the player, getting to know the player, you know, so you don't get disappointed but also look at your budget versus what the cards are going for. I mean, again, someone starting off and saying, I want to be a Derek Jeter, Mike Trout uh, player collector in, in, in baseball. You better have a pretty healthy budget because an auto card right off the bat, if you want a auto card, you're looking at three, four, five hundred $500 minimum. Yeah. Just yeah. right off the bat. And I can get a Boggs auto card depending on what it is for. I bought ones for 15, 20 bucks, depending if they're serial numbered or not. Yeah. Yeah. So big, big difference. Big difference. You know, and you were talking about like how much competition is there for players. Well, the more popular the player, the better the player, the more stardom they have, the more competition there is. I also wanted to make a comment on you said, you know, there's so many different ways to collect. You can be a player collector, a team collector, a set collector. There's, there's, I would, I don't know if it's infinite, but there's so many different ways that you can approach the hobby and, uh, and, you know, you can cuss, you can build your own, you can formulate your own custom set that you want to just, you know, the PSA set registry has been a good way to, I think it's sort yes. of facilitated a whole Didn't bunch of, of that, new yeah. sets and players and, you know, all-star player, all, you know, players that have all-star golden glove players, 500 or 300 home run players, 3000 hit player, all these different things, you know, there's yeah. so many different ways for sure. For sure. Uh, Rock Latex is what were the two cards that you bought back when you sold? You mentioned one already. Yeah, the 1954 Tops uh, Ted Williams number 250. Love that yellow border. And 1960 Tops Stan Musial. I had the okay. Willie Mays. I haven't bought that one back. Um, but it, those were the two that that I've I've bought back in my collection. And Purple Hay says, do you have a favorite year that you're collecting the SPs in? I think the uh, the photo variant. Yeah. Um, just starting off, um, I don't know. The like the nine. 2019, 20, and 21, the, the the base design of those cards compared with the vintage images that they use, I think it's a great combination. Um, looking at like 2009, this, the, this basic set design wasn't my favorite. So even adding those vintage players, not as attractive, but I would say like 19, 20, 21, um, those were some pretty good design aesthetically. Right. for me yeah very cool very good thanks for the question purple hey so uh before we do sign off john i do i do want to just mention to the audience uh you know the chat and to everyone who's here so you know glad you all joined tonight uh and if you're if you're first time watching the show if john brought you over here um i want to thank you john for letting your your audience know that you were coming i appreciate yep. that and um if any of them are here and are 
are interested in subscribing to Sports Cards Live, I'd love to have you and welcome you to, to the SCL community. we got a great, uh, great chat here every Saturday night. And I also, if people weren't here, I don't think I mentioned it yet during After Hours, but I mentioned a couple times on the earlier show with Reed. Uh, I'm really excited and I just want to let everybody know that um, I'm now going to be hosting another show uh on so i've got saturday night sports cards live and then sports cards live after hours which i've been doing now for a year after actually after hours is a year old now this month and um well well well, the sports cards live show is almost almost a year and a half old but in any event i'm going to be now hosting a show on sunday nights but not on my youtube channel i'm going to be hosting collectible live on the collectible youtube channel this is collectible here the fractional ownership company in our in our hobby um i've basically signed a deal with them to be the host of their show their live show going to be starting tomorrow night the episode the first episode will be tomorrow night and uh we'll see how it goes uh but it's going to be supposed to be 20 to 30 minutes long so much shorter than i'm used to john if you've seen (laughs) much of my show you'll know that i don't know how i'm going to do it but yeah (laughs) i'm going to do my best to keep it within the the timeline that they want it to be but i'm Really excited about that. I think it's super cool that uh, that they they approached me and liked what I what I've been doing on Sports Cards Live for the last year and a half, and uh, said they wanted me to to host a show for them. So I'm super pumped about it. Really excited. So want to welcome or you know really invite you all to watch that. Subscribe to the Collectible YouTube channel as well if you are willing to, and see uh, see how that show is going to go. And then lastly, uh, whatnot, whatnot is the live streaming. Uh, app for for breaks and sh- and showing cards and doing singles auctions and that i had their ceo on the show or one of the founders about a month ago grant lafontaine and uh those guys are now going to be a uh, partner of the show we're going to be collaborating together and uh, i'm excited about working with whatnot i like what they're doing and i really like the team there so want to let everybody know those two kind of new announcements for uh, myself and the channel uh tonight so there we go John, thank you so much again. My pleasure. It's been great having you. I'm going to read the final comments and we'll let you uh, say goodbye and good night to everybody. But uh, Purple Haze, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Vintage Cards, glad to have you along for tonight, for sure. Jonathan Allen says, this is the backbone of the hobby. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, wonderful. That's that's a, that's that's high praise right there. I think it's, I hope it's for for me and John, because we got, we got, we got, uh, hopefully it's for me you know, John and me, I should say, right? Yeah, yeah, the collectors yeah. are the backbones of the hobby, I believe, and John is certainly that. So um, that's awesome for sure, for sure. Craig says, who is the guest tomorrow on Collectible? Um, the guest, so again, the show's going to be a bit different than how this one is structured, and I'm st- uh, you're, I'm going to be actually, I've had a new idea actually during this episode tonight. I've had a bit of a new idea on how I want to tweak what I was planning to do on Collectible Live tomorrow, but the, we will be having a guest every episode. Uh, whether they're there, they are there the whole time or for a short time is yet to be determined. However, uh, it's going to be Lou Papa, who is someone who d- does some work with Collectible and was the subject of the uh, the Hobby Dons episode. Uh, okay. Yeah, of which we had the writer-director, Aaron Rich, on After Hours a week ago today. So, Yeah. Lou will be joining on the Collectible Live tomorrow. It's supposed to be like a five-minute interview, but I might see if I want to expand it to keep him on for maybe even the duration of the show. We'll see. I got to talk to the Collectible guys as well about that. Thank you, Steve, sir. Thank you, Jonathan Allen. Thank you, Mike Wick. Appreciate having you. 
says, John, I am enjoying looking at your Wade Boggs Instagram post as we speak. And Rock Latex says, Jeremy becoming the Brian Gumble of the hobby. I don't know about Brian Gumble. That's like that, that's a big name. But uh, hey, I will I will tell you guys though that when when um, I started talking to Collectible, they first asked me to do something a little bit different. I said, you know what? That's not really wouldn't be authentic for me to 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 do that. Not that it was anything bad. They just it was like, we want you to be an analyst and have a segment on your show talking about you know maybe just kind of providing mm -hmm. some information on on what's going on. I said, you know what? I appreciate it, but I'm not, uh, I'm not an investment advice guy. I'm not, I don't want, so they said, okay, well, we'll, we'll think about something. We'll let us come back. Cause we want to work with you. And they came back and said, okay, well, we want you to have your own show on our channel. Yeah. It's okay. That works. Great. That's, that's really cool. So yeah. happy well, to you, you need to speak about what you know and what your, your knowledge is in, in the hobby. Like I said, I, I couldn't speak about top 10 players to invest in today. I, it, that's not my focus. That's not what I'm into. It's not what I'm looking at. Uh, again, you have a great channel here with with your guests and the hobby insights and the insiders and collectors and stuff. So yeah, glad you're able to do what you're good at doing. Yeah, no, I pre I appreciate it. And it's the the angle I'm going to take is not so much to say you know because what I want to do I want to cover the IPOs that they're going to have in the coming week. So here are the cards that they're IPOing, but I don't want to get into the you know, they're out, they're selling it for X amount and comps or this. And I think it's going to be worth that. And, you know, your return on investment is going to be this or that. I want to talk about the card. I want to yeah. look at it, talk about the corners, the edges, the registration, you know, really. The history of the card, the intrinsic value, how, what it brings to the hobby, how important yeah. it is to the hobby. Exactly. The importance yeah. of the card with it within the, the relative. Right. Iconic. Cards. It is. Yes. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the Cause angle. Cause they're, they, they deal with high end. Purchase. I mean, these these aren't just like basic cards. These are the most sought after cards in the hobby. If I'm, for I think so. For the, they yeah. they do some memorabilia. They've got yeah. They they do. They you know car. It seems like it's you know twenty thousand dollars and up is yeah. kind of what I've seen. But you don't you know you're you're investing five to twenty five dollars a share sort of thing. And I've mm -hmm. I've always thought that the uh, ever since the 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 fractional company started coming up in the hobby i've always mm -hmm. thought it was a good idea i know i know not everybody does but i think it's i think it's a good idea it's not for everybody and i i understand mm -hmm. that and you know a lot of people want to hold the cards that they own and that's fine too but some don't so i think yeah. there's a place for it i think it's cool i think it's a natural yeah. evolution i i think it's the next step from uh memorabilia in cards because yeah i i own some weight bogs game use bats but not everyone can own a Joe DiMaggio game used bat. But you can buy a card with a small piece of That's that fractional. bat. That's fractional. It's fractional. Yeah. Now, it's more tangible. You can hold it and look at it. But I think it's that next step, that digital, if you want to call it, step that some of the card companies or the industry is going into uh, with these NFTs and all that stuff, which I that's sort of a little bit over my head. But it's that next logical step of owning a share of that card. You can't touch it, but you own a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's um, even for myself, I I've always said, I, I, you know, I would invest in fractional units and I'm going to once I can based on the geography, my location in Canada. Mm -hmm. So um, and I always would, it's not like I'm going to stop collecting cards. You know, I yeah. like to have my cards too, but, I know I'll probably never own a PSA eight or nine Mickey 52 tops Mickey Mantle. Yep. 
Although maybe I'll go on a one or a two one day so I can maybe have that instead. But, you know, a yeah. T206 Wagner, for example, yeah. never going to have one of those. So, but hey, to have a piece of one, that'd be pretty cool. I'd be more than happy to add shares to my to my portfolio yeah. of investments. Yeah. To me, that's more of an investment than a collecting, a collection. Well, can't you buy a share of the uh, Boston Celtics or the um, Green Bay Packers? I believe well, I believe so, yeah. At least the Packers. I'm not sure about the... the but. I know the Packers, you can own a share of the Packers. But and it doesn't give you access to the locker room, right? You no, just right, right. Or or auto, automatic, you know, autographs of all the players or something. You just say, Hey, I'm a part owner of the Packers. Right. I don't see that it's same thing to me, I guess. But yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just thought I'd I wanted to mention that because I'm I'm excited to to start that and uh we'll see, we'll see how, how it goes. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. And uh, but definitely kind of a, a neat thing to be to be asked to do something like that for a third party, you know, like, yeah, I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. So, uh, Mike Wick, thank you. Appreciate the congratulations. Lapper says fractional is a very interesting piece of the future of the hobby. I appreciate Jeremy being an OG, but seeing the ultimate evolution. I think I know what you mean, Lapper. It is it is just an, a next step. It was bound to happen. You know, you can buy lots of things fractionally, like shares of companies, real estate, uh, timeshares. It's all yeah. it's yeah. all fractional. But in any event, I certainly recognize it's not for everybody, but um, I think it's neat and it's gonna be fun to follow uh, follow along with their offering. So all right. I guess that's it. Yeah, this has been fun, John. Thank you again for for taking the time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, it's it's nice to have, again, a different section of of the the hobby, the the collector. Uh, and if I can end with anything, again, it's um, being a collector is uh, one just one aspect of the hobby. Uh, there's no one way to go about it. Do what you enjoy, uh, whether it be a player collector, team collector, vintage, modern. Uh, fractional ownership, uh, breaks, flipping, whatever you want to do. The hobby's big enough for everyone, so just go out and enjoy. Well said, and I th- we'll, we'll, we'll end on that note with one little addition that I think the hobby is big enough for everybody, and it's only seems like it's just going to get bigger with, with what's all, what is all going on. Okay, final comments, and we're done. Uh, thank you, Lapper. Appreciate it. Mike Wick says now we need an after after hours. Yeah, so I also created after hours in the first place. Fellow Fireball, thank you very much. Lapper says, you know that Jeremy, it's not for everyone, but a very cool thing that allows low dollars into monster cards for sure. All right, everybody. Thanks again. Hopefully, we'll see you on Collectible Live on the Collectible YouTube channel tomorrow uh evening. If not, we'll see you on we'll see you back here next Saturday for the regular episodes of Sports Cards Live and After Hours. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining. What a what a what a enjoyable evening this was. See y'all next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.